1: Well, hello, I'm David Freeman-Wilf. Is that really in the Bible? 2,000 years ago, a visitor from out of space visited our Earth. He was loved by the sinners. He was hated by the religious establishment of the day. He was misunderstood and eventually he was killed. His name was Jesus Christ. His time was short on this Earth. He lived to be 33 and a half years old. His ministry, now get this, his ministry only lasted three and a half years before he was violently killed. Now at the end of his 33 and a half years, he returned from where he was from, a visitor from another world. You know, people ask the question, have we ever been visited, have we ever had visitors from another world? Answer, absolutely yes, we have. Now, as he prepared to leave, these words were recorded in your Bible. Acts 1 and verse 10. And while they looked steadfast toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus... Which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Now, was there any misunderstanding of to the disciples of what he was talking about here? In other words, as they watched Jesus go up up and up and up into heaven, this same Jesus, as you have seen him go, shall return. Well, return where? Well, back to the Mount of Olives, Christ is returning to this earth. Now, do you know why Christ is returning to this earth? Do you even have a clue as to why? Christ Has your church ever told you why Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth? You know, most, most churches teach us, teach us heavenly retirement, which makes the return of Christ totally unnecessary. I mean, if everybody is up in heaven when they die, what's the point of Christ's return? Well, there is something called a resurrection, but according to the fundamental concept, when you die, you immediately go to heaven. You're already there. Why does Christ even need to return to resurrect the old cancer-ridden body or whatever was chunked into the earth? It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make a bit of sense, come to think of it. But the question I'm dealing with is, do you know why Christ is going to return to this earth? Now, notice Zechariah 14 and verse 4. It says, And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. Now, I'm just going to stop right there. Now, if you have a fifth grade education, can you understand what this is saying? His feet, whose feet? Jesus Christ, shall stand upon the Mount of of olives. Where is the Mount of Olives? Uh, it's up in heaven, right? No, no, no. no. It, it's, <laughs> it, it's on this earth. So Christ left the Mount of Olives and he's returning to the exact same place and his feet is going to stand on the Mount of Olives, which is on planet earth. Now, if you've got a fifth-grade education with three brain cells lined up in a row, you can understand exactly what I'm saying. Now, the question is, why? Why is Christ returning to this earth? Well, let's let the Bible answer this question. Acts 3 and verse 20, And he shall send Jesus, which before was preached unto you, whom the heavens must receive until the time of restitution of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So Christ ascended back into heaven for 2,000 years, and he's going to return back to this earth for the restitution of all things. What does that mean? It means to put all things right, to make all things new. God's Word translation says it like this. Heaven must receive Jesus until the time when everything will be restored as God promised through his holy prophets a long time ago, long ago. In other words, this earth is going to restore, be restored back to its original condition. You know, in the Garden of Eden, before sin entered the picture, it was a perfect environment to live in. There was no sin. It was perfect. Now, what I'm talking about is a heaven on earth. Would you settle for earth if it was made perfect? That's the question. Now, there are some illusions about this coming utopia. There are some people that believe that man is going to bring about this perfect world. Now, that's a joke. That is really a joke. I mean, I admit he's been trying to do it for 6,000 years. Hasn't worked very well. Or there are some people that believe that our government, our politicians, get that, are going to bring about this utopian form of government. Well, politicians are a joke. I mean, they are a joke. And there are some people that believe the church, the churches that dot our land are going to bring about this paradise. That's almost as big as a joke as the politicians bringing it about. Okay, well, let's notice Matthew 24 and verse 21. It says this, Then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. In other words, Christ is saying this, Unless I return to the sin-sick earth, society that mankind has totally per, uh, polluted and corrupted. Unless I return, there's not going to, and put a stop to the madness, there's not going to be any flesh saved alive. So Christ is returning for what reason? To keep man from self-destructing. You know, now, now get this. There are some who believe that Christ is just going to sort of come and make a near, sort of like a near miss. He's just going And he's going to gather the elect. You know, rapture them away, and the rest of the world and the people who are on it are just going to be left to go to hell, to self destruct. That Christ is not really returning to do anything about this earth problem that we have of man trying to govern himself void of the Holy Spirit of God because we won't submit in surrender to God's will, therefore we don't have the Spirit of God, we won't do His will, we won't submit to His law, therefore we don't have the Spirit of God. But because of that, you know, we have made a mess of planet Earth, and Christ is going to return to to make it right, the restitution of all things. The return of Jesus Christ to this Earth is the only answer to our problems. It really is our only answer. I mean, have you ever thought about why Jesus said, when you pray, I want you to say, thy kingdom come. Why? Why did he say that? Why are we to pray, not only for Christ to return, but that he would set up his kingdom on this earth? Why are we to pray, thy kingdom come? Because it's not here yet. I mean, if we're praying for something to come, it's not here yet, right? Well, Matthew 24 and verse 27 says this, speaking of christ's return for as the lightning comes out of the east and shines into the west so shall also the coming of the son of man be in other words he he likens it to the sun the brilliancy of the sun And in other words you can't miss it no one's going to miss this event when christ returns to this earth matthew 24 and verse 30 says and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with the great sound of a trumpet. Yes, the great sound of a trumpet, one of God's holy days, that represents the resurrection of the dead. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So so those that are alive the elect that are alive at Christ's return. God is going to gather them, and he's also going to do something else. In 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven, and with the shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, question, why the resurrection of the elect is God's first agenda? In other words, the most important thing when Christ returns is to gather the elect, those that are living and those that are dead, with a a resurrection. Now, these are referred to, those that are dead, they're referred to as the dead in Christ. What does that tell you? Just a little biblical IQ test here. What what does that tell you when it says the dead in Christ shall rise first? That, that, That tells you that they're not in heaven, okay? Fifth grade education, three brain cells lined up in a row. That tells you they're not in heaven. I just wanted to cover that because you wonder, how do people not get this stuff? How do people not get the plain English of the Word of God? translated into English, that is. You know, how do they not, not get that? The Bible means what it says, says what it means. Christ returns and he resurrects the dead in Christ. You can't misunderstand that. The only way you can misunderstand that is if you have the help of a preacher to misunderstand that. That's the only way you can misunderstand it. If you've been brainwashed by mainstream churchianity for 40 years, then you will misunderstand it. Okay. All right. What are the elect going to be doing when Christ returns? Did you know that Peter asked that very question? Peter asked Jesus that very question. What are we going to be doing Once you return and gather the elect and resurrect the dead, what are we going to be doing? Well, here is Jesus' answer. Matthew 19 and verse 27 says, Then answered Peter and and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, judgment, judging the 12 tribes of Israel, judgment is heavy responsibility. I mean, it's like a president that calls out his cabinet members and he has people that he can trust, people that he can work with, people that agree on his style of leadership. This is what a president does in selecting his cabinet members. Well, God has been calling out since the day of Pentecost, his cabinet members, his elect, that he is going to resurrect, gather together at his return that's going to rule and reign with him. We're talking incredible responsibility. Look, this is not watching the sun roll around heaven all day long. This is not getting your fill of angel food cake. This is not 14 million lessons of heart music for all eternity. No, this is heavy responsibility here. Now, let's take a look at what kind of responsibility. Revelation 2 and verse 26. Says, And he that overcometh, and keeps my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, as the vessels of a potter shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my father. Now, think about ruling with a rod of iron. What do you see in the world that needs fixing? Do you know why you can't fix certain things in the world right now? Is because you don't have any power. You don't have any power to fix anything. All you've got is an opinion, and most people don't even listen to your opinion. But the reason you can't really fix anything is because you don't have any power. You need power to fix things. And this is what ruling with a rod of iron is all about. I mean, there are some people that have to be ruled with a rod of iron. I think of someone like, you know, maybe uh, Louis Farrakhan or someone like that. You know, there are some people that they're just not going to understand some of the dictators that have lived and gone before us, you know, they're not going to understand a slap on the wrist, okay? They're going to, the only thing they're going to understand is the rod of iron, okay? At Christ returns, the powers that be, they're not going to roll over and play dead when Christ returns, whatever the powers that will be at that time, the beast, the false prophet, the liberal media in cahoots with whatever. You know, maybe the, I don't know maybe the catholic church just speculating there but whatever this beast power is that when Christ returns they're not going to roll over and play dead. that's the reason for the battle of armageddon that they they're not going relinqu, to relinquish their power easily and so they turn to fight the living god Jesus Christ that's returning to this earth Revelation 20 and verse 6 says blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection You know, there is a better resurrection. I don't don't know if you're aware that there are a couple resurrections, but the first resurrection is referred to as the better resurrection. What resurrection are you planning on being in? Okay. And it says on this first, on such, the second death has no power. In other words, at this point, we're talking about immortality. Immortality is something that we all want and seek for. We don't have it right now, but we're going to be given it at the resurrection, immortality. And it says, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Now, what's this talking about? Priests of God? Yeah, again, this is incredible responsibility that's going to be given out to the saints, the elect of God. And they're going to reign for a thousand years under the leadership of Christ Jesus on this earth called the millennial reign of Christ on this earth. God is going to restore all things. He's going to restore it back to the original condition. He's going to show us that if we are obedient, that this government, this kingdom of God government, will work, and it will work quite well under his leadership. You know, God wants man to understand that government can work. It's just the problem is we've never had the right kind. I'm not talking about man's government, but God's government, where we are surrendered to his will, spirit-led children that will one day rule this world, and if necessary, rule it with a rod of iron. You know, there's a song I like, uh, Waiting on the World to Change. I'm waiting on the world to change. I like that. I listen to that and think, yeah, I'm waiting on the world, world to change, but I realize when it's going to change. It's going to change when Christ returns to this earth to set up His kingdom on this earth. That's when it's really going to change. In Acts 3 and verse 21, it says, Christ will return and restore all things. The restitution of all things he's going to make all things new which god has spoken of by the mouth of all his holy pro- of the holy prophets since the world began so this kingdom of god that's going to be established on this earth at the return of christ this has been spoken of throughout the entirety of the bible since the world began now how come people don't know anything about it how come people never heard anything you see the reason people are illiterate of the Bible is because they know nothing about the Old Testament. They don't read it for one reason. If you know nothing about the Old Testament, you will misinterpret the New Testament every single time. And when you read about Christ's words, I mean, he spoke again and again and again and again about the kingdom of God, you're, you will spiritualize it away. You will say, well, it's within you, the kingdom. Well, it's the church. It's conversion. No, no, that's not. When Christ talked about his kingdom, he was talking about a literal soon coming kingdom of God on this earth. The disciples were would-be revolutionaries. When Jesus spoke about, you know, they said, well, you at this time set up the kingdom to Israel. They weren't in their mind thinking, oh, the kingdom, that's conversion, that's the church, that's, uh, it's within you. No, they were looking to, they were would-be revolutionaries. They were ready to help out. They didn't realize that Christ would have to go back to heaven for 2,000 years and then return his second coming and then set up the kingdom. They didn't understand that. Christ didn't inform them that there would be a period of 2,000 years. But still, they were talking about a literal, soon-coming kingdom of God on this earth. Now, let's take a look at the Old Testament what it says about this. Daniel 2 and verse 44, And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, all these other kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. Now, what's this talking about, this kingdom? Is this a kingdom in heaven? No, this is a kingdom on the earth. You see, Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, was shown the future. And he was shown four world-ruling empires that would exist down through history, right up until the return of Christ. The first was his own, uh, the Chaldean Empire, called Babylon. That was his empire. Second was the Persian Empire called the Medo-Persian. The third was the Greece or Macedonian under Alexander the Great. The fourth was the Roman Empire to have seven successive revivals that leads up to the end time and the return of Christ to this earth. 10 kings, 10 rulers represented by the 10 toes of this statue that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his vision in a dream that was explained to him by Daniel. So, And and it says, at the end time, and in the days of these kings, shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. All right, at the end time. Where is this kingdom? Well, it's it's right here. It's, It's going to be on planet Earth. Daniel 7 and verse 14, it says, And there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and language, should should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Now when this talks about all nations, all languages, all people, is, is this talking about up in heaven? No, no, this is talking about the kingdom of God on this earth. Don't you know? Daniel 7 and verse 27. And the kingdom and dominions and greatness of the kingdom under, under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Yes, everyone on the earth is going to serve and obey God. Now, I mentioned earlier why the resurrection of the elect. that the first, This is God's first agenda when he returns to gather the elect. And I asked the question, why? Well, this tells us why. It says, the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. Yeah, it's going to be given to you, the elect of God. This is a fascinating statement when you think about it. Let's take a look at Micah 4 and verse 1. It says, But in the last days it shall come to pass that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established in the top of the mountains, and it shall be exalted above the hills, and people shall flow into it. What's this talking about? Is this talking about heaven? No, it's talking about the kingdom of God on this earth. It's going to be a beacon for the whole world to see. This is not church and religion, folks. This is a relationship with God. This is a way of life that works for all people, this kingdom of God on this earth. Micah 4 and verse 2, And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up into the mountain of the the Lord, and to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his way, and we will walk in his path, for the law shall go forth out of, out of Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. You know, the reason God is going to teach us his way is because our way hasn't worked, and we're going to, people are going to be eager to learn at this point. And it says, the law shall go forth out of Zion. Yes, that thing that by religious people and preachers that is despised, that thing that's been nailed to the cross, it's been abolished, it's been fulfilled, it's been rejected by religious people. That thing, the law of God, will be the standard of morality that is taught when this kingdom is set up, is set up on this earth. Micah 4 and verse three, And he shall judge among many people and rebuke strong nations afar off. Where are the nations? In heaven? No, they're on earth. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up a sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Who can bring this about? This is not taking place in heaven, is it? No, this is the kingdom of God on this earth. You know, when I think about all the petty little dictators like Hitler, Stalin... Kim Jong, uh, Saddam Hussein. You know, how much trouble these dictators can cause. If you'd put all of them in a room naked, you know, you would look at them and say, well, they're just men. And yet, look at the, some of the war and the crimes that have been committed against humanity because of some petty little dictator. You know, Christ is going to put an end to this. Christ is going to put an end to war. I want to conclude with Revelation 5 and verse 10. It says, And has made us unto our God kings and priests, and he, we shall reign on the earth. Where are we going to reign? Can't hear you. Did I hear somebody say, In heaven! Oh, no, 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 no. We shall reign. We're going to be kings and priests, and we're going to reign on the earth. Christ is returning to this earth to establish his kingdom on this earth for 1,000 years. Listen, you have been lied to about the Bible. You must like being lied to about the Bible because you just keep getting more of it. You're, you've been lied to about this concept of heavenly retirement, streets of gold and all that nonsense. You've been lied... and, and You've been lied to by the fact that there are many people that tell you you that Christ is not even going to return to this earth. Okay? Well, they're wrong. And you've been lied to about the Bible. Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth. He is going to return. And when he returns, he's going to gather his elect. He's going to resurrect the dead and he's gonna establish the government of God on this earth. I'm David Freeman, and that's what's really in your Bible.
0: Man has the intellectual capacity to design spaceships to take him to the moon and back, to invent the computer, and to do other marvelous exploits in the physical, material realm. Yet during man's nearly 6,000 years on earth, he has proved that he cannot solve his problems with fellow men. Through the ages, man has tried to bring about a utopian paradise by every conceivable means, yet without success. He has attempted to live by every imaginable type of government. He has even tried living without any government at all. Absolute anarchy. All of them have failed miserably. Why has this been so? Jesus Christ is going to return to set up his kingdom on this earth. And right now, God is in the process of training future leaders that will teach true education. But what is true education? Find out by ordering The Coming Utopia. In this publication, you will learn of God's system for re-educating society. Order by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.